Football Shed, the weekly podcast for football fans that live in the wrong time zone. My name's John Hewitt and Jeff King is here. G'day. And Roger Gibbs is here. Hello. And the football season's over. It's all done. It's Roger- weird, isn't it? It's just, if we've only just started again and it's stopped, and I think it's yeah. strange. It's, but I don't feel like it. It's funny, though, because I don't get any sense of it stopping. Like, I don't feel like it. You know, normally when you get to the end of the season, you're kind of like, oh, that was amazing. And it's kind of like, now you know, you're, excited. you're excited because it's finished, but you're also sad because it's finished. There's all those emotions going at the same time. Whereas this time, I kind of just feel like it's just going to keep going because it is going to keep going. It doesn't stop. So I don't but, quite know how I feel. <laughs> I mainly feel weird. mainly oh, excited. Mainly I, excited, I think. I feel strange, and I, and I feel like after getting, after going through kind of isolation one, everything shut down, come back. What we're we calling it, re, re, the reincarnated football season. I feel like we can now kind of analyse whether that last bit was good or bad for teams. And just as predicted, some teams are going to look at that whole section and go, "That is fucked." Yeah. No, it was utterly weird. I found it strange that since the season's been finished there's been like three or four days of waking up and there hasn't been football to watch yeah i'm just like where's the highlights i want to watch something (laughs) (laughs) not fair um did anyone bring a drink for this end of season review did uh jeff did you bring something fancy with you bleeding heart lower murray river wine wow bleeding heart that's you really are missing the football what kind is it a red wine jeff or a a red it's a red it's a a shiraz it's a red it's a red my uh my wife bought a bunch of them and i'm now drinking them so that's the that's the equivalent of cupboard beer but it's wine but it was bought by my family does that count (laughs) doesn't really count does it no no um raj did you bring a really wanky beer with you I do. I'm starting on. Uh, I've got more of my New Zealand hops to drink uh, halfway through the shed, but I'm starting out with a, a local brew. It's a new Bodrigi um, beer. It's a double dry hopped hazy pale ale called Good Thanks <laughs> Yourself. Sorry, a double what? A double <laughs> double double dry hopped hazy pale ale. What? And it's, the it's, look, hell it's got a pretty is cool that? picture of a bird on the uh, on the can. Uh, but you sounded quite underwhelmed by it. Is it quite crap? Uh, no, it's it's very tasty. But I was just it, it's uh, it's more of just a standard pale ale. Whereas for the last week and a half, I have been only drinking like super hopped, like seven to ten percent beers. I wish everyone so, at home right now could see Jeff's face. He looks like he's about to vomit. <laughs> oh, to me, to me, what you just described, Roger, is that bit left in the sink after you do the dishes. <laughs> you that, are that is what you so, drink for pleasure. So wrong. They are so delicious. Oh. Fruity, hoppy. What did you get this week, John? Some Audi $5 wine. <laughs> hey. oh, John, is that is that an award type sticker that I see on the it's bottle. Got two awards. It's always had Award two winning. Wow. Yeah. It's got five dollars. And a silver medal. This is very exciting. I think they paid six dollars for the awards organized by Audi. Um and then they uh, put them on the five dollar wine. It's great. great. Um, you're, so you're true to your heart, John, true to your heart. Consistent, Jeff, consistent. <laughs> <laughs> Every week we start with a question. Um, but I'm just going to do a bit of admin before we do the question. And this week's questions, by the way, is more than there is a few. And it's a bit of a season reviewing questions. Um, so get ready. Um, Fingers on buzzers. Get... No, no buzzers. Okay. 
Um, if you want to get in contact, ask us a question or tell us we're wrong about something, you can find us on Facebook. Just search Football Shed or email us at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. And of course, tell your mates so more people can hear us talk nonsense about football. Now, this week's questions actually came from Chris on Facebook. Uh, he sent us a link to a bunch of stats from the season because it's been a bit of a strange season. Can, a fair I, can I just can I just thank Chris on Facebook for contributing so regularly this season? As I want yeah. to get to the season, I'm getting quite emotional about some of these things. And Chris is going to be our MVP, I think. He's been fantastic this year on our social media. So thanks, he, thanks for your input, Chris. Yeah, Facebook Shedder of the Year um, goes to Chris. Um, the awards is next week, talking of Shedders of the Year. The awards is next week. Um, so we'll find out all the Shed Awards and who of the three of us is Shedder of the Year, um, which I think I'm defending my title. No way. Nah. I've won it every year for the last <laughs> four, I think. Anyway, so on to the questions. How many penalties did David Louise give away this season? Five. Correct. 1-0, Jeff. The record. Wow. It's a record. It's the most anyone has ever given away. And yes. The, the, he got sent off, I think, for three of them. Which is, <laughs> which is even worse. That's like, so good. What a calamity. Five in a season. How many times was Jack Grealish fouled this season? Oh, I've heard this one as well. Sorry, Roger, I'll jump in here. I think it's like 146. Incorrect. Do you know, but Jeff, that is really weird that I was going to say exactly 146. <laughs> that is really bizarre. Well, I bet you guys didn't. It was wrong. Oh, yeah, but I just find that bizarre. Maybe me thinking it, you know, travelled through the <laughs> screen and the internet. <laughs> I am like the man that could bend spoons. Oh, Yuri what? Geller. Yuri, Yuri Geller. Geller. <laughs> yeah. You are in so many ways I, like I, Yuri I, Geller, I, I just made, I made, <laughs> so many things about I made you, you say him. that and he didn't even realise it. Like his uh, relationship with Michael Jackson is just like your... <laughs> no, I'm going to stop that. Uh, I'm going to say 180, John. 167 times he was fouled, which is significant because it's the most by against a single player in any season ever, but by wow. more than 40 more than the last record. What do you think that's... Does that say he's a good player? Probably does say he's a good player. It no, says it's Villa and, every, and everything goes through him. Yeah, Villa have one best... One player that they put everything through and he's always got the ball and he dribbles a lot. Yeah, and with um with Villa's season, you can see that it works. But that's worked, hasn't it? Yes. You, you, yes, they've stayed up. I mean, we'll get to that from an Aston Villa perspective. But if you are strategizing, you're putting your tactics together to play Aston Villa, it sounds like 19 other managers went, I'll tell you what we need to do, put the boot into that kid <laughs> <laughs> and that'll work. And actually, it did. So the, game, the games analysts really earn their stripes with <laughs> yeah. those Aston Villa reviews. Got some video clips for your boss. Got some video clips for taking this one bloke. You might not have heard of him, but it will take you by surprise. His name's uh, Jack Rich. Do you reckon they threw in some Lee Hendry ones occasionally just to make sure that they were really watching? <laughs> just to double check. Um, Van Dyke became the fifth player to play every minute of a Premier League title winning season. Can you name the other four? Sorry, say, can you say it again? I'm so Van Dyke played every minute of every game for Liverpool and won the league. Only wow. four other players have ever done that in the history of the Premier League. Well, I, know, I know John Terry's one. John I Terry remember, is one. I remember John Terry doing that. No, Gary to... Pallister? Gary Pallister is another one. So Whoa! Gary Pallister in 92-93. John Terry in 2014-2015. 
Dennis Irwin? No. The other Steve. two are since John Terry. Since John Terry? Mm. Um, one's Chelsea and one's Leicester. Petr Cech? No. Is it, a go- is it a goalkeeper? Oh, sorry. Outfield players. Outfield uh, player. That's strange that a goalkeeper hasn't done that. Uh, goalkeepers have. Sorry, this was outfield players only. Oh, John, okay. And is this, they have to have played every minute of every game or just when they played? Like, as in they've had no injuries as well and they've played every single minute of every game? Every single minute of every single game. What did you say, Leicester? Did you say Leicester? Yeah. Kante? Nope. Uh, Where's Morgan? Where's Morgan? Yeah. (laughs) Is it Where's Morgan? See, Rog, Rog, I was going to say Where's Morgan and then you said it. I'm like Yuri Geller. (laughs) You see what happened there? Shut up. (laughs) Okay, we've got one more for Chelsea. Yeah. Still plays for them. Been there a while. What? Ah, uh, as a Pugaletta. Oh, as a Pugaletta! See, Rod? <laughs> Did it again. That's two we're, we're linked. Two more. Okay. How many, penalties, more. how many penalties did Man United win this season? Oh, it's a record. 14, 15? 13. Correct. 14. The most yeah, ever. the most ever. Speaking of Man United penalties, Bruno Fernandes' penalty technique, right? What do you think? We'll, we'll hold hold that thought because we're about to get onto Man United in about three seconds. I'll just do my last question. Okay, okay. sorry. Can you name the post lockdown top six? So Jeff, you were talking about the how we can look at this period now of how it went well, how it went badly. Can you name the post lockdown? Let's take it in turns, Jeff. You go first. Do one, and then I'll do one. And you don't have to get them in order. And you don't have to get them in order. Chelsea, correct. Manchester City. Correct. Um, Jeff is Googling right now. No, 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 John. I wouldn't cheat on the shed. West Ham. <laughs> no. Burnley. Oh. No. Oh, God. We're what? Burnley? No. Burnley. Man, you know, Man United. Obviously, Man, Man United. United. Sorry, Man United. Yeah. They, they probably won it. So, no, it was City, then United. And then we had... You said Southampton. Chelsea. Southampton were third. Um... Brighton? No. Team that won the league? Liverpool. Liverpool. Yes. And then one other, which I didn't expect. Managed by a man I hate. Arsenal. No, the other one. The other one, the other man you hate. <laughs> uh, Spurs? Yes. It's because Harry Kane started scoring goals. Like He, yeah. he, he needed three months off. He's not uh, a one-season wonder. Arguably, and I'm not going to just keep on going on tangents, but it feels like I'm going on tangents this week. Arguably, you'd say that Harry Kane in his professional career has not had such an extended period of a break as he had during the coronavirus lockdown. No, true. I think it's been the best thing ever for him. Yeah, because we always used to talk about how, you know, he he plays every summer. But he gets injured every year. Yeah, but that's the thing. He gets injured because the type of injuries he gets is his hammies and um, dislocated joints. And these are things that are just, you know, his body needs a rest. But then he he gets a break when he's injured. No, that's not a break, is it? The bits that are injured are recovering and then he comes back too soon, like he always does, and comes back a bit shit. And then, you know, arguably he came back a bit shit and then got better. But that three months off, I think, for him has been a phenomenal thing. He did lots of uh, mushrooming. (laughs) <laughs> with a with a nice wicker basket. Oh, okay. I have a mouthful of mushrooms. <laughs> right, let's move on to the football. So that was our review of the season in questions. Thanks, Chris, on Facebook. 
Um, so the last day of the season was on Sunday night, Monday morning. Uh, Rog and I got up at 1am to watch, um, which was probably a silly idea, but it's what you do when you're a fan living in Australia. Can I just say, um, I got up at three to check the results. Oh, really? Why? why <laughs> if I'm not going to watch the games, I'm not going to yeah. be up for it. Why would I get up at three to check the results when I could have got up at 6.30 like normal and checked did the you, results? Did you set an alarm for three? Oh, got to set the alarm well, for the yeah, results. I wanted, to, I, wanted to, I wanted to know the results. So I got up at three to check them. <laughs> um, in general, how was the last day? Was it as exciting as we hoped or was, in my opinion, it was a little underwhelming? Uh, I mean, it can't compete with the championship final day yeah. ever because um, that's always chaos. Uh, I think it was a little bit, you know, it was exciting because there were still quite a few things that were live going into the final day. And in the end, most of those things were a little bit of a fizzer. Yeah, I think um, we'll start on the Champions League. We watched the Man United Leicester game because that was the main game on Optus. And I like the fact that they did the... It, during the game, you could go off and there, whether there was a goal or a the chance. Five goal there. flashes, yeah. Yeah, and that was really good. Um, but Man United beat Leicester 2-0. Impossibly the dullest game of the day, <laughs> but they got across the line. Um, and Chelsea got across the line, beating Wolves 2-0 as well. So the top four now is Liverpool, Man City, Man United, Chelsea, the four richest clubs in the league. Is that a slightly underwhelming way to finish? Yeah, I don't think that you can draw a line under that and go, okay, well, that was, that was predictable. Like, mm. If anything, this season has been one of the most unpredictable I can remember, um, not just through the fact that we had a three-month holiday in the middle of it, but I, <laughs> I, I feel like the ups and downs this year have been, yes, you look at the final league table and you go, great, our 38 games, that's probably what we expected <laughs> in, a, in a way, but actually we didn't. There's no, no one would have predicted Man United would have come third. No one would have predicted that Frank Lampard's Chelsea would have got to the Champions League. At Christmas, Leicester was something like 14 points ahead of Manchester United with yeah. a plus 20 goal difference on them. Like yeah. the, the fact that Leicester have crumbled so, so extremely, I'd say is unpredictable. To be honest, I'd say that a few teams should be really disappointed with themselves. Spurs, this time last year, Spurs were in the Champions League final and Spurs are scraping sixth on goal difference. I mean, that's that's a disgraceful performance. Arsenal, Although, saying that, saying that, haven't Spurs, I hate Jose Mourinho and everything that he's about, but haven't Spurs kind of gone from being 12th, 13th up to sixth? And they were, like I said, they were in the top six form league for the last lockdown, post-lockdown period. Yeah, but we're talking um, so, we're talking about the season though, John. Like I, I feel yeah. like um They couldn't have done much like I don't think Jose's the answer and I don't even think he's done a particularly good job there. But they probably weren't gonna get much higher than sixth when he came in. Yeah, yeah but, but then that's a bad season. Like like I can't say, you know, Ancelotti yeah. has done really well, Everton have done really well, but Marcus Silva's done really bad, so twelfth is fine. Twelfth isn't fine. It's incredibly underwhelming. And I'd say the same thing for Spurs. You don't come off the back of last season coming to the Champions League final. Admittedly, the last ten games of last season were bad too. Mm. Like Pochettino's reign was was starting to peter out towards the end of last season and the Champions League really kept the dream alive. But coming from there into scraping sixth bomb goal difference, that's not good enough. Can Arsenal we go back eight. to think, um, Leicester? Yeah, yeah. Jeff, you've just gone down the whole league in about 30 yeah. seconds. Oh, I'm just, just saying, we're talking about you know where things finished and whether it's whether you said it was a surprise or not. I'm yeah, saying that there are some the teams in there that are, that are underwhelming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go on, um, Why? 
I agree that, you know, we've talked about it a bit for the last couple of weeks. Leicester, you know, did they choke? Is it, you know, is Rogers a choker? Um, yes. You know, it's it's happened before. Should they have got Champions League? I do think that they've been really unfortunate with injuries, as we've talked about. Um, you know, you looked at their team that played against United and it was very different to that Leicester team that was on a high, you know, in, in sitting in third earlier on in the year. Um I also thought they were really unlucky against Manchester United. I didn't think Leicester were brilliant, but they were way better than United. But the, And the, they just didn't take their chances. They had two moments in the first half when they were well on top in the game, should have scored. Indeed, he had a decent chance from the edge of the box where he really should have hit the target. Mm. And Ineacho had their, their best chance in this time. And all of a sudden, if they sc- score, it is an entirely different game because it forces Man United to come out. And Man United were on the beach, but they weren't just on the beach. They were so tired. They just yeah. looked knackered. Like Fernandez looked, you know, when you really notice it in a really good player. And I think Fernandez is a really good player. When they are a little bit off, it's so evident. And all, just all everything he passes went wrong. They didn't. Yeah, he just he just good. looked knackered. He looked yeah. absolutely. Like you could see like were a couple of times where he turned it on, and you know when United turned it on, and you you saw that they clearly had way more quality than Leicester in a, in a couple of moves or in some five minute spells. But generally they looked knackered, and so I think it it's a shame because it was a real opportunity for Leicester to kind of. Um, I, you my, know, pinch, pinch it at the end, and they just didn't quite get there. My dream at the start of it was that Chelsea lose to Wolves, um, and then Leicester actually beat Man United, and then that means that Man United and Leicester get into the top four, and then Chelsea are in the Europa League. That would be my perfect scenario. I feel sorry for Leicester because they started so well that it feels underwhelming now. But if they had made a run for fifth, at the end of the season, you would have gone, wow, fifth, that's amazing. Finish above Spurs, Arsenal, Wolves, gone on, good on them. Um, Man United were exhausted. And Oli Solskjaer at the start of this bit of the season, whatever we call it, he came out and said, we're aiming for third. He was like, I want to. I don't want to just get in the Champions League, I want to finish third. And they have finished third. They've limped over the line and it's the lowest points I think ever in the Premier League to finish third, so it's quite underwhelming. Wow. <laughs> um, and so they've struggled to get there, but they have managed to get there. And I think he just kind of found a formula that worked, and then just went, "I'm going to run this out every week. Just keep going. Just keep going. Please get across the line." I think now they have to go. Okay, cool. We've got a good ten. Well, your, your, your best eleven is good, but then it drops down quite quickly. What's when you here? bring on Jesse Lingard or Agalo as your subs, you kind of that's the same as Southampton bringing on Che Adams. Like it's there's a there's a huge golf in quality there, so they've got to flesh that squad out. If you use those two as a comparison, though, so it's obviously massive for United, and they're trying to get back to challenging, you know, making the Champions League and getting third. So it's big for them, and you'd imagine mm. they would now go out and spend money. What do you guys think happened? to Leicester like does their squad get pillaged now well in this game Schmeichel uh, Kasper Schmeichel had a, had an absolute mare both United's goals were gifts from Leicester's back line mm. whether it's d- defensive errors or, or goalkeeping errors so, so that strikes me as um, 
lapse of concentration, fatigue, as you, you said about United, when United's first team shake, then the, the subs aren't good enough. With Leicester, the injuries were forcing those subs to be regular players. And that meant that they, they really struggled for momentum, struggled for solidity. Rogers is... Like we joke, we call him a flake, but he's stubborn in his style of football. And he always has been. He One thing I, I thought happened to him after leaving Scotland was learning how to be a bit more pragmatic and a bit more, you know, do anything for the win and be a le- bit less idealistic. But actually, the last, we'll call it the last chunk of this Premier mm. League season, his idealism has got in the way of his pragmatism. Because uh, I don't know if I agree, Jeff, because they've changed their formation. And they had to change their formation. Well, they had to, yeah. Yeah, because they don't have enough players. So I think it's more an artifact of their squad depth rather than it being Rogers' coaching. I think Leicester not- are, are, are going to stick around the top six. I don't think they're going to get pillaged completely. I think James Madison will stay. Vardy will stay. He just signed a new contract, Madison. 110 grand a week. And so there I think go. they're going to... Carrera? Yeah, Chilwell? I think Chilwell might go, but I think they'll keep the majority. And if you read, so the, the, read the gossip um, pages, which are always full of nonsense, but Leicester are constantly linked with, it's always Chelsea, Man United and Leicester are interested in Paolo Coutinho or whatever. And you, so they're getting linked with these players at a higher level. And I think they'll, they've got money. Um, and I think Rogers is a good coach. So I just think, I, I, I won't. I don't see them going anywhere. I think they're going to be around that top four or six conversation next year. So and I think this is incredibly significant. I, I think that they would have been drawing up plans for Champions League football for the last six months. No exaggeration. For six months, mm. they were so far ahead at Christmas. They're drawing up plans. Their scouting has been focused on Champions League quality players. They've been convincing people to come to Leicester because it's you know we just won the Premier League. We're in the Champions League this year, which is why John, you're absolutely right. They're being linked with players that are linked with Champions League clubs. But not getting there means the players that will choose Leicester over United or Chelsea, players right. are doing it for the money because they'll pay the wages. And those type of players are not the type of players that won Leicester the league. So, so I, what do you I think will this is really to... significant. Okay. I, I think that they'll lose players and I don't think that they'll be able to attract the players that they've already been scouting. And it's a short transfer window. It's a short off-season. I think they've, they've been caught cold. The only way to, for them to continue their plan A is to pay a lot of money. I don't mean transfer fees, I mean wages. Mm. And by doing that, you unsettle your squad. So I really think that this is far more significant for Leicester than we're giving it credit for. Plus, they're, they're wounded right now. As you said, John, if they made a run and finished fifth, they'd be chuffed. But the fact is they dropped really poorly to fifth. And you've got to feel like everyone's disappointed with that. And that's a really shitty place to be when you have a really short turnaround. And yeah, I was going to say the short turnaround, I think, is going to be massive because teams don't have a time to reset and get new players integrated and go on a preseason tour, get to know everyone or whatever. It's literally you've got two weeks off, turn around, get back in training. We've got to do this all again. So the momentum that comes from this season is going to flow straight into next season. But, um, I, but I think if they, I think the key is keeping their players because I think whether it's momentum, but I, 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 you, you, we we said that Leicester's squad was thin, uh, you know, in the whole season. We said the, even when they were sitting pretty in third, we said their issue is is that if they have a couple of key injuries, they're in trouble, and that's exactly what's happened. And I think that's exacerbated when you have lots of games in a short period of time. 
you know, yeah. you, you, it just makes it, makes it not... harder to rest. But but I think if you look at, like, watching this United game, the best two players in the first half for me by a mile were um, Ndidi and Tielmans, mm. who, if they keep hold of those two players, are, you know, top four players. I also think that Johnny Evans was was great in the first half, and I think he's got another season. So I think you've got, and Soyan Shu. So you got, you know, you, to me, there's his spine. Have a really good team with Schmeichel, Evans, Soinchu, and then Tillmans and and Didi. Um, so I think if they keep hold of that spine of their team, there's no reason that they can't challenge again next year. However, if they lose those players, then Jeff, I agree. I think they'll struggle to bring like quality players back in. So I think it's a key key window for them. They need a centre forward that's better than Ian Acho as well. Yeah. Got to say because Ian Acho is. He had such glimmers of promise at um, Man City. And when he left, I thought it was stupid they were letting him go. And I, I thought it was stupid they are letting him go and, and bringing in Jesus. I thought, geez, you've got the same player here. They do the same thing. Mm. And I, th- I was desperate as an Everton fan for Everton signed Ian Acho because I thought, oh, this, this kid's got something. But watching him play for Leicester, I'm not sure that he is of the quality that he needs to be. And Jamie Vardy's 33 years old. So unless they're going to completely change the way they play football, they need a fast quick thinking counter-attacking center forwards who can just outpace and hit the ball hard mm. let's move but on great to great Chelsea. news that Vardy sorry well, we should just say we're Vardy. on half an hour let's stop 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 talking we're on half an hour and we've only spoken about Man United Wolves no Man United <laughs> Leicester can we say well done Vardy though that's all I want to say no no I'm saying Jamie it Vardy. Just well done Jamie Vardy no, don't care Chelsea Wolves <laughs> old people can still do things John <laughs> No, they can't. He's too old. It's just, um, do you know, I'm going to say something about Jamie Vardy now. Brendan Rodgers came out and said how fit he is and how he's just completely healthy. Like, he's fitter than he's ever been and he looks great. So, still got another five years in him. Chelsea beat Wolves 2-0 and are in the Champions League. Are we impressed with Fat Frank after his first season in charge at Chelsea? They're in the FA Cup final this weekend. So, they've got the FA Cup final and uh, they've got top four. If you said that at the start of the season, you go... Bloody well done, wouldn't you? Uh, to an extent, but I would temper it with a bit of, I'm still not convinced. Let me say this to you. Going into the final day of the season, and this is where I think I agree there's some success there, but I think let's temper it a little bit with this. Going into the final day of the season, Chelsea had conceded 52 goals. There were only two times in the Premier League history where they'd conceded more goals than that which was both 55 goals back in the 90s. Yeah. Then they obviously, they let in a lot of goals on the last day against Liverpool. So it is their worst season defensively in Premier League history. Mm. I think that it is a bit of a perfect storm. You know, one of the reasons we give Arsenal so much stick is that they didn't win the Premier League the year that um, Leicester Leicester, Leicester won it because it was the perfect storm. There were other big teams in transition they should have won. This was a little bit similar this year in that clearly Liverpool and Man City are the best two teams. And then, um, you know, past that, it was going to be a bit of a scramble because there were other teams in transition. I think we've been, we've all said we've enjoyed watching Chelsea. We've enjoyed watching mm. some of the young players coming through. Mason Mount's um, free kick was amazing. Mason Mount's free You've got to take your hat off, you know, to those players... Um, I thought that was big in the moment, you know, because mm-hmm. that first goal in that game was huge. So that was a great free kick. I think Giroud has, he would be in my 
um, post lockdown 11. I think he's been ex. He's been absolutely excellent since they came back. And crucial, he is what has gotten the Champions League. His goals. I think that's. I think that was a, that was a great signing. They're going to go and spend money. I'm still not convinced Frank's the man. I think he might be gone by Christmas. Frank wanted Giroud gone. Remember, yeah. like he's like that. It's by default that Giroud is still there, and he's been the player of lockdown. I, I just look. You know my opinion about Frank Lampard. I, I have to take my hat off to the position Chelsea have found themselves at the end of the season. You're right. FA Cup final, top four, any other manager will be going, oh, good on you. Like, especially with the face of adversity and all of that. But <laughs> we've seen so many poor judgment calls from him this season that I don't think it's down to him. You know, having Giroud at that club and playing him as a centre forward is not down to Frank Lampard. That's down to default. And Giroud is a good enough player. In fact, Chelsea players are good enough to be in the top four. Frank Lampard has been a custodian of those players and not fucked it up badly enough to have them really like press the self-destruct button. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give him no credit at all. I am gonna say that you're blooding in the youngsters the way he has has been really impressive. They've obviously bought into him. You know, and and you you hear interviews about them playing for Frank Lampard because these these kids remember watching Frank play for England. It's not like some old pro. It's not Steve Bruce. Say some old pro. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. No, kids these days were... never watched Steve Bruce, but they were completely inspired by Frank Lampard playing for England. So I think they they bought into his culture. You know, so he does deserve some credit, but he's not very good, and I genuinely don't believe he's <laughs> going to make it past the end of next season. Yeah, well, it's interesting because Rod just said he's not going to make it till Christmas. You don't think he's going to make it to the end of the next season? What Chelsea have done is they've gone out and spent a lot of money. Timo Werner's coming in. Um, the guy from Ajax is coming in. There's talk of Havertz um, coming in from Germany, and they might just spend money on whoever else. They, you don't do that unless next year you're planning to go for the title. It also adds a huge amount of pressure to Frank Lampard to perform. If you're buying all these players and you've got all this squad and you've made this happen and they're talking about getting rid of the goalie and getting a new one in for another 100 million or whatever he has to perform next year and if this next year if they start badly in their eighth or ninth or whatever after 10 15 games the pressure is going to be massive yeah and that's that's exactly what's happened to every other chelsea manager ever yeah um ancelotti won the league sacked by christmas who's the um uh, Di Matteo won the Champions League. Yeah, sacked by next Christmas. Abraham Grant didn't. Abraham Grant win. What do you no, win? He got to the um, Champions League final. Yeah, that's it. Sacked. Yeah. No, like, and that's because you know it's not Frank Lampard that buys these players. It's Chelsea that buys these players. They've they've had a um, their director of football. What's her name? She's uh, excellent uh, at her job. Yeah. yeah. Um, She's been at that club for years. She's the one who's scouting. She's the one who's authorising these players. I'd say the only player decision that's gone through Frank Lampard and not her is the, is the keeper position because that, that's what's going wrong at Chelsea right now. And he is making a managerial decision of dropping that keeper on the last game of the season. That's a substantial yeah. decision that's for him to make yeah. because it's such a huge game. So I, I do feel like he's the one driving that, but he is absolutely the, not the one who's responsible for bringing in these other players. It's just not, uh, which, which means that he's got the pressure of, of getting a tune out of them. And then on the other side of that, they beat Wolves 2-0. And we touched on Spurs earlier, but Spurs, because they 
drew with Crystal Palace. Um, Palace had lost seven in a row. So to draw with Crystal Palace is not Jeez. really a good result, Spurs. Um, but Spurs end up finishing sixth and Wolves drop into seventh, meaning that Spurs get in the Europa League and Wolves don't. Firstly, on Wolves, not being in the Europa League, they are still in it. Um, they might if Chelsea win the FA Cup. Is that correct? Yes. If Chelsea, to seventh, win the, if Chelsea win the yes, FA Cup. That is correct. If Chelsea win the FA Cup. But if I'm Wolves and you're in the Europa League, still now currently, they might win that and get in the Champions League. Great. If they don't win that, I almost don't want to come seventh. I don't want to get in the Europa League because I want to have next season to go, okay, we were close to the top four. Let's make the top four happen. We've got to just add a couple of bits and bobs here. And if we don't have to worry about Europe next year, we've worked out this year how to play Europe and the league and come seventh. How do we make it so that we can actually come fourth and not have to worry about Europe? So if I was Wolves, I'd rather not be in the Europa League. Yeah, I I hear your point. And there's lots of examples uh, in modern football of the teams that aren't in European competition storm in the league. Mm. Uh and then as soon as they get into Europe the next season, they struggle. That, that's, it's, it's, there's, you know, it's an archetypal example. But with Wolves, they, they've dealt with so many games so well this season. I think they might miss it if they're not in Europe. Yeah, true. And w- would they keep hold of Jimenez if they're not in Europe? Probably not. Yeah. That, that kid's got one big move left in him. And if, if Wolves aren't in Europe, I don't think he'll stay. They're going to win no, Europa League. No, so you, but we were just saying, Roger, you walked out of the room to go and get a beer. The Wolves... Um, because they finished seventh, they don't get into the Europa League for next year um, unless Chelsea win the FA Cup. And I no, say, no, no. But they're going to win it. They're going to win Europa League this season so they'll be in the Champions League. They're not going to win it. Um, they're, they're not going to win it. Uh, <laughs> Man and I don't need to win it. I think Wolves set themselves to win the Europa League. That's my Yeah, OK. But to Jeff's question, if Wolves don't get into Europe next year, does Raul Jimenez stay or does he go? I think he'd probably stay because I don't think he's quite good enough for the top, top teams. Um, and uh, I think Wolves will invest again. So, I, I, I mean, I actually think they're less likely to go anywhere than Leicester, I think. Yeah, OK. I'm going to say it after a season of you just knocking him, John. I think Jimenez is the nuts. <laughs> I think he is just so good. He's a good uh, player. Yeah, I'm with you, my, Yeah, my... Um, opinion of him has slowly got better and better and better and better. And I think this last week I've just thought, Jeff, just accept it. He is just so good. He is so good. His technique is amazing. His first touch is brilliant. He's quick. He's big, which means he gets in the way. He's got fucking long legs. (laughs) That sounds sounds like a weird thing to say. (laughs) But the amount of times it's just his long legs get get him a goal. It's it's amazing. He's essentially a target man and his touch and you know, quality and, you know, even things like passing range for a target man is very good. I think he's one rung down from the top, top strikers. Do you know who he reminds me of? And, and if, it might sound strange, but he reminds me of Adebayor. The yeah, way okay. he plays football, he is, he's, a, he's a big, uh, shielding target man who has all the skills in the world. You know, he could easily yeah. be a midfielder. Because so be- of, because better of skills. feet than you would think. Yeah, but he reminds me about it by all, but a bit quicker. I will just point everyone to the Europa League and Champions League tournament coming up in August. Watch Raul Jimenez. He's shit. <laughs> Fact by John Fact. Hewitt. 
Um, let's move to the bottom of the league. Uh, in the relegation uh, battle, Villa managed to stay up. Um, they got a point that they needed at West Ham um, with a Jack Grealish goal. That man, Jack Grealish, turned up to save the day at the end. And they just got across the line because Bournemouth uh, smashed Everton 3-1. Um, let's start with Villa. What does they've made? They've stayed up. Well done, good. Um, what does next season look like for them? Like, do they lose Grealish? Well, do they build on this? That's or the they... number one question. I think is do, do they just get relegated? Well, what happens to Grealish? Like, if you take Grealish out of that team this year, they're they relegated. Get fouled. <laughs> but I mean, where I you look at the rest of that team, I think. I think the main, the other person, I think is he gives Timer and Ming some credit. Yeah, excellent last few games and marshaled that defence. They they really stayed up because they suddenly managed to keep a few clean sheets at the yeah. end of the season, or or not be so error prone at the back. Um, but I don't think they've got enough quality in that team or squad uh, without adding to it significantly. Which sounds crazy because they spent all that money to not be right back in that relegation mix next year. Well, did you see today that they they've sacked their sporting director? Oh no! What, what's his name? Um, Jesus uh, Pirac, just something like that. Yeah. Um, so sacking your sporting director the two days after the transfer window opens. I mean, yeah. that, that's that is a statement, a statement of intent. Yeah. Basically, gone right. Well, what what went wrong here? Well, wouldn't it be good if we had 140 million pounds in our pocket? Who spent that? What do we get for it? Fuck all. Okay, um, best player was a bloke who's been with us for years. So I I just think that it's back to the drawing board. They obviously, just like with Leicester, they couldn't really put concrete plans in place. They had to have, you know, plan A, plan B, plan C for the summer. And you'd argue that every team does that, but you have an inclination to how your summer's going to go. And Aston Villa before last week, before the win against Arsenal, yeah. were, were absolutely down, which means that you're looking in a different talent pool. And because of that, they're, they're now starting from scratch with, a, with no sporting director and looking in a very different talent pool and wondering what the hell to do with it. So I don't know what's going to happen with them next year. They need a centre-forward. They need a new creative midfielder. Um, arguably, their, their defence is very poor, even though Tyrone Mings costs £30 million. Pounds. I, I just don't think they... Well, they, need, they need a partner for Tyrone Mings and they need some fullbacks and a keeper. Yeah. Well, they've got yeah, one, 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 cent, one centre back does a defence not make, you know, like it's, you need a bit they more. They bought um, Tom Heaton from Burnley and he got injured. So he was out for ages. So he hopefully will be back soonish. So well, and John, John McGinn, we should say, had a really, when they had a good start to the season, it wasn't mm. just Grealish. John McGinn hadn't, excellent first six or seven games and then he had a really serious injury he's been back for this post lockdown yeah. bit which i think has helped them again so you know then maybe if he's fit for the year it's a bit it's a bit different but i, I mean i i think that squad needs a significant overhaul it's good for them that west brom have come up because that's six points in the bag <laughs> oh wesley Wes, maybe wesley's the answer he got injured as well yeah he was he looked crap yeah but he looked um, crap before he got me. <laughs> It looked really crap. But at the end of the game, Aston Villa, they drew one all, but they were still waiting on like final, final results. So as soon uh, as the Wat- Watford-Arsenal game. Yeah. yeah. They just kind of all just stood there and Dean Smith was like, no, nothing yet. And they all just came around. And then when it was finally done, they all cheered. And it was, I thought it was great. But watching it, watching Villa stay up and Bournemouth go down and Watford go down, I was looking at the players that you might buy off 
Villa, Bournemouth and Watford. And I could only think for Villa that you'd buy Grealish. Bournemouth, there's um, Aki. Uh, the goalie's pretty good. Joshua King, Callum Wilson. Watford, I think Deeney's worth another shout of the year in the Premier League. Delafeu, Decore. Um, they've got some players there. So I think Villa so, somehow have managed to stay up with the weaker squad. I absolutely agree. I yeah. absolutely agree. You, you heard this stuff about Bournemouth wanting to take Hawkeye to court. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So obviously, well, like, let me let me talk well, you through this. Well, we, so, we we talked about this. It's I don't think there, there's nothing in this, Jeff. I it's clickbait from the BBC. The BBC are putting clickbait articles out there. No, when you, there's I've no, seen this from a few different sources, Roger. The, the, but there's no basis to it. But the thing is, okay, before the court case, I was I, I just reminisced about this, and you know, before the court case, it's not like <laughs> law and order. It's not gone to court. <laughs> uh, but before before all of this was kicking off. Um, publicly, I, I, I'd personally pondered it, like because Bournemouth obviously were beneficiaries of the of the Hawkeye one in seven million chance that it wasn't going to get the ball. I think that's what they said, one in seven million or whatever. Uh, yeah. It's not. There's been nine thousand uh, correct decisions made, so it's a one a one in nine thousand. One in nine thousand, yeah. which meant that they got a draw against Sheffield United yeah, instead of Sheffield, Sheffield United, United winning. Against Villa. Yeah. yeah, against Villa, sorry. So it's really got an extra point. If you look at their goal difference, Villa are on minus 26, Bournemouth are on minus 25. Yeah. That one result, that one point with that one goal, will switch those two positions. So you can understand from Bournemouth's perspective, if it wasn't real kind of pissy, kind of get over it, you know, personally, I'm like, you know, piss off. But you can understand how the kind of bitter fan in them would, would feel a bit aggrieved by that. But you can't, but that's like, you're basically taking a referee, you know, you, to court or take you know take it's not you can't there's decisions that go could go either way in every single game even with VAR and even with um, Hawkeye I think the only reason that they're arguing with this is because it's a system that is generally so so accurate whereas with the referee obviously it's much more shades of grey I just don't you, what are you really challenging? Well, they're, they're challenging the fact that the referees are, are told if your watch doesn't buzz, it's not a goal. Like th- there is no human discretion for the ball crossing the line, and, and that's why they go look, look, look. They, they pointed their watch. They go the watch didn't buzz, watch didn't buzz, which means that they're saying, well, Hawkeye's error meant that the rules of football they didn't yeah. use their discretion, which they would have done. You know, linesmen don't look at those kinds of things because Hawkeye's got it. So their point is, of all of the types of decision, they're instructed that if this technology is there and works, you use that above your own perception. If you're Bournemouth, so Bournemouth are going down. They're fucked, John. Financially, they're in a real, real mess. But if you're Bournemouth, you've got to look at this like, okay, we're in a real mess. We have a lot of players on high wages. We haven't done up our infrastructure we've spoken about this before they've not yeah. done up the training ground they're in a mess going down was it wages are the highest proportion of their something like 86% um, expect- yeah. Yeah. yeah a complete mess so what they I think they have two options they have one option is you go okay cool we've got to do everything we can to get promoted again next season we forget about what happened we just get everything we've got five or six weeks until the season starts we just need to get everything sorted we have to go for it next year, get promoted. If Eddie Howe's going, we need to get rid of him now or we just keep him and go for it. Or they limp into next season with this cloud of a court case over them. They kind of 
No one really knows what they're doing. Eddie Howe leaves in about three or four weeks. They get relegated again from the championship and it all just this legal mess that goes on forever and everyone blames everyone for the next three That's years. what happened with Sheffield United, isn't it? When they, when they when they took West Ham to court for Carlos Tevez and Mascherano. Yeah, and they have a Remember. choice to make this literally this week and they can either do that or that and I have a horrible feeling they're going to do the crap one. They will not come back to the Premier League for years, in my opinion, no matter what yeah. they do. John, you're right. You, you should be proactive about it. You should take the choice of going, well, let's concentrate on ourselves and not try and you know be bitter and twisted about it. Of course, they could do with the money. If they won the court yeah. case, they could do with yeah. a bit of cash. But they aren't coming back. I, I just, no, we I won't totally see agree. them. We will there has to be a period. fire sale because they can't afford to keep those, unless yeah. they agree, you know, significant wage cuts. And there's no, I don't think they have many any relegation clauses in a lot of the contracts for their high wage earners so I think they they need to sell an awful yeah. lot of that squad David I know, Brooks I know we, is the player were, that I would they, buy sorry yeah. say again John David Brooks. Brooks is the player that I would yeah, buy if good. I was in Everton yeah. or someone but I know we we look at Bournemouth have been there for quite a while but we are going to look back on this period and look at them like Coventry or Blackpool or Huddersfield we're going to see them in League One and League Two and go, oh, you remember that time that Bournemouth were in the Premier League? Because I think they're gone. I think they're going to drop yeah. like a stone. I totally agree. Um, the other team that are down is Watford. Um, they gave Arsenal a three-goal lead, which is always helpful when you have to win <laughs> after half an hour. <laughs> Not the best start. Um, but then they came back into it and almost got some... Showed a bit of fight, yeah. They showed a little bit of fight, but... They, I mean, they've almost shot themselves in the foot, haven't they? Is it their own fault? They've fired the manager with two games to go. They've had four different managers this year, if you include Hayden Mullins. Um, did, did you see that uh, that Mr Pozzo... Pozzo? Am I getting yeah. that right? Uh, very magnanimously came out and said uh, that... Oh, we might not have made you know the greatest decisions this year in you know some of our decisions <laughs> running the club. Like it, it was, you know, it was in the most like you know without wanting to admit any guilt they yeah. kind of said that it's our fault we fucked up yeah, yeah but yeah. like in such a way that I was just kind of like just come out and say it or don't do it You could, like I, I there was nothing believable in that I feel like you know there there's been lots of things in the press about it this week saying essentially the managers of Watford don't run the club you know the owners mm. so um, involved in that running the club that they just there's emotion and they just make these decisions and they just do it. I don't get any impression that that is going to change at Watford. There's a thing, right? I remember when I was a kid, I used to skateboard, right? Uh, and not very well, but, but, I, but I used to, I used to <laughs> I skateboard. Just, in my head, I've just suddenly got a picture of six foot six Jeff trying to skateboard. Yeah, of course. I was like a, I was like a windsurf. Do you know what I mean? Like my, my body would be the sail and the board would be on the floor. But I, I remember when you're, when you're a kid, you're poor and you're like, okay, board for Christmas whatever. It, it got a bit got a bit ragged and like the end you know the end the, 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 the yeah, bit, yeah. bit at the end the up bit got so worn down that I sanded it off yeah. so I got a sander and I sanded it off and I remember taking it to the skate shop to get a new grip tape on it and I had this really tiny end bit where my back foot was meant to go like super tiny and I remember saying to the bloke in the shop I was like oh yeah no no this is good this is good because it's so short it means that when you push it down the board goes higher so you can jump higher you can ollie much higher and I remember him just looking at me like I was a loon. And he said to me, he goes, look, if that worked, everyone would do it. And they don't. <laughs> and and I, I think about that, looking at Watford. I'm like, if it worked, sacking your manager four times in a season, <laughs> everyone, everyone would, do, would it. do it. And it is somewhat kind of 
um, yeah. I, I feel relieved to realise that it doesn't work. You know, there's, there's, yeah. it's good to see them go down in a way because it's a crap idea. We all knew it was a crap idea, and watching them survive year on year, you're like, oh, maybe there is another way. Maybe there is another way to do it. Why don't we just do it all like Watford? Why are we so precious about these things? Actually, no. It's bad. I think well I think I think the Watford way of doing it can work. You can't sack the manager three or four times in a season. Like I I liked the fact that they got promoted and then they went, "Right, you've done your job, manager, that you've got us promoted. We don't need you anymore. We need a Premier League person who's going to keep us in them." And that to me actually makes a lot of sense because getting promoted from the Championship compared to staying in the Premier League, are two completely different jobs. So you're asking one person to do the same thing. So that kind of makes logical sense. To not me. even sure I agree with that, John, because I think of Chris Hutton and Rafa Benitez and even Eddie Howe. And I think of managers who've come up in the ranks like that and actually that they've been best suited. Um, it was the Huddersfield manager for the first year that they survived. Oh, Wagner? Yeah, Wagner. You can't tell me that someone else coming, a Premier League manager coming else who could get a better run out of those players. I'm not saying no, I'm not saying it always works, but I think the Watford model is you bring in a person who will make this bunch of players do the thing you need. And the thing they needed was promotion. Now that person has done that for them. Now they need a person to come in with this bunch of players and make them stay in the Premier League. And then if they do that, great. If they don't, we'll get rid of them, get another one. So I'm not saying I agree with it, but I think there's some merit in it. There's some logic. But they fucked it up this year. Yeah, they did. <laughs> Watford do have a lot of players that I think the rest of the Premier League should go and buy very quickly. Because I think Deeney's got another year in the Premier League. Um, and if I was someone down the bottom of the league, a Newcastle, Palace, Brighton, I would just sign him. He's going to be a good influence on the dressing room and he'll get you a few goals and he'll definitely score a penalty. Saar, who I think is amazing, and I've told you that I think he's amazing a million times. I think Will Hughes is a very good player. Decore is a very good player. Welbeck, if he doesn't break, is a very good player. And you've got Fat crap. Jerry. Welbeck's crap. Well, there is no way they should have gone down with that squad. And you and you look at Is Chalaba like, still there, John? You love Chalaba. Nathaniel Chalaba's still there. He's brilliant. Squads like Palace's squad, Brighton's squad, and there is no way that Watford should have gone down. That's mismanagement. Definitely. Um, right, let's run through a bit of other Premier League bits and bobs. Um, Can we just give Arsenal a shout-out? I was going to do it at the beginning, but um, you're yeah, right. No, I was on. getting, no, I was getting a bit did, off. They did play uh, against Watford, to so go, Jeff. And when I, when I, when I say shout-out, I mean, I just want to highlight that this is the worst Premier League finish that Arsenal have had in the last 25 years. <laughs> Good shout-out. It's the <laughs> lowest points tally in uh, Premier League history for Arsenal. It's the only time outside the top six, top six, um, and during twenty-two seasons in charge, Wenger never, Wenger, Wenger, Wenger. <laughs> never finished on less than sixty-three points. Wow! So the fact that Arsenal got so much love in this post-lockdown era, I think you know, just like everyone else, you can't just look at it this in isolation. Have they got a lot of love? They haven't yeah. on this pod. Well, no, not the, on this pod, but there I are other places in the world. Yeah, I think everyone thinks they're brilliant. Um, which I don't get. Um, and they got the FA Cup final this weekend against Chelsea. And if I was Arsenal, I'd do everything they can to lose that because the Europa League will screw them next year. So I would yeah, agree. lose that game oh. and just show focus on the league. And I, I know I know, we're, we're running short of time before we do, but Kevin De Bruyne. But they, Holy John, doesn't matter. moly. John, they're going to be in the Europa League, whatever, because Chelsea are in the Champions League. 
it doesn't matter. They're no, in the it... they're in the final, so they'll be in the Europa League, won't they? No, if Chelsea win, it goes to Wolves in seventh. Yeah, it goes to seventh place, Rog. Uh... Kevin uh... De Bruyne's brace was just something else. Yes, Kevin De Bruyne is the best player in the league. It's outrageous. That first goal, the way he got it out of his feet and just curled it was outrageous. And then the second goal, the one that just bulleted off the off the 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 post. Yeah. His, do you see his reaction to that? Do you see the he way he just kind off. of like, just walked off? And, and like Mares, even Mares, like the world's biggest dick sniffer. He like <laughs> sorry, I should have Mares. Well, just, I don't know. You just hate Mares. He's just got. A, he's just so hateable. Tell me he's not hateable. No, convince me he's not hateable. Top ten players in the world. Well, no, he's a good. Oh, he's so not. But he's a good footballer. But he's just a hateable bloke, which is fine. I don't mind hating hateable blokes. Anyway, Mares, Mares. <laughs> Even Mares's face was just like, holy crap, Kevin, you're good at football. And to, and to, to crack that kind of face off off Mares, the the, the beaver from Weaver, he's like <laughs> incredible. There aren't that many players in the league that you would just pay to watch. You know, forget about the rest of the game. You'd just watch that one player and what they do. And De Bruyne is one of those. He is just an absolute magician. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, Liverpool won their last game of the season after going a goal down. They won 3-1 in the end against Newcastle. Um, Klopp won Manager of the Year, the LMA Manager of the Year. And Jordan Henderson won the Football Writers Player of the Year. And Lovren has left, gone to Zenit St. Petersburg. And Adam Lallana has left and gone to Brighton, uh, that, which I think is actually geez. a really good sign for Brighton. Great signing for Brighton. It's just what they need. Brighton have lacked pace this year. Here yeah, that they've, they've Lallana's slow. Lallana is not going to help that. <laughs> <laughs> you think he's you think he's too slow? He's really slow. He's he really run. slow. Oh, he's I, I just he's very good on the ball, but he's with the, he, he's not blessed with pace. Oh, I yeah. shut my eyes and imagine him just like cutting in off the wing. No, he's a good dribbler. through. Feet. He He's has to no beat pace. a player three times because he's too oh, slow to yeah, get away from okay. him. No, fair enough. I understand. I understand your point. Yeah. Um, oh, in that case, hmm. Sheffield United, I just wanted to mention because they've <laughs> slipped into mid-table obscurity of ninth, which is a bit sad. Oh, Sheffield... Is it mid-table obscurity? I don't know if you can... I, I think I best of the rest for them, which is what they are, is pretty, pretty oh. bloody good. Yeah. Um, and I'm... Like amazed that they came ninth, but I just there was part of me that wanted them to come fifth or sixth or something. Like they were so close for a long time, and I thought what, it could happen. What an insane league we love when best of the rest is ninth. <laughs> Do you know true. what I mean? It's getting bigger every year. When's it just best? <laughs> Very true. Um, a couple of other quick things. The Newcastle takeover has been delayed again. Um, <laughs> Do you know why? Have you read why? No, I just read the headline and went, oh, God. Uh, yeah, so there's um, confusion as to who will own the club. Oh, that's right. So they don't actually know who will be in charge. No, that's like, let me just say that again, because that's a direct quote. There is confusion as in to who will own the club. But it doesn't matter. They're a fit and proper person. <laughs> <laughs> this is a takeover. Surely there are only two parties involved. There's like the one that's selling the club and the one that's buying the club. And I'm not that I'm no business genius, but I assume that the one who owns the club will be the one who's buying the club. <laughs> hope so. so if there's some kind of ambiguity about who owns the club post takeover, I reckon we've got some issues that we need to resolve. 
Um, and talking of issues being resolved, Cass released their report on Man City today. Oh, juicy. Juicy. Um, I don't want to go into it too long, but Jeff, you've got a minute. Go. Well, they did it, didn't they? That's, the, that's what we were saying a few weeks ago. They did it, and the victory lap is gross that I'm they went on. Bad. Because, yeah. Well, yeah, I get it. I get it. They, it's they, so gross. They, give, it's so gross. They got out on a technicality. Give me a synopsis on what Cass said. Cass well, said, let, let, let me give you a Manchester City quote, John. Legitimate basis to prosecute the Manchester City group. So that was Manchester City's opinion of the evidence was that there is a legitimate basis to prosecute the club. Well, that's, however, their, okay. that's their own opinion of okay. the evidence. However, so the, it's too old. The, the only reason they have got away with this is because it's time barred. So the year that they decided that the offence was committed was in 2014. So it's more than five years ago. And so they're OK. But everything else says that they were guilty, guilty, guilty. Great. That's good. <laughs> but I, but a positive thing here that okay. I thought about this, if you look at it from a positive sense, is it positive that they've only found evidence going back to 2014 in terms of does that mean that the process is now working because there hasn't been dodgy stuff done since then? No, because it's all about the relative value of your business. They did dodgy stuff before Man City, the brand, was worth enough money. The, the, the problem is that you can't get a sponsor. I can't be worth a hundred million and get a 700 million pound sponsorship because it, it doesn't add up. It's, it's manipulation. But if I'm worth 700 million, then my sponsorship is relative. So they yeah. did dodgy to increase their value. And now they're worth as much as they're dodgy. I, I get it. But I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that financial fair play doesn't work. It's just that, and we knew this at the time when they put this five year clause in there, it was put in there by the big boys so that they could get their house in order before they got in trouble. So, yeah, yeah and, and I think what financial fair play does is it now makes it very difficult for an up-and-coming club to challenge the established elite because you can't just throw a load of money at it because you've got to comply with the financial fair play. Yeah, yeah. and there are clubs right now, Everton have unlimited money. Yeah, and Everton, Everton, Everton was... right now could be the next Man City, but yeah, they they've got un- unlimited money, but they're just not allowed to. They, and there's one, I, I, won't, I know we don't want to talk about it, but... So the cast process, each side of the argument nominates. There's a there's a three person legal panel that makes the decision for cast. So there's three lawyers that yeah. come to a you know decision, and then there's another lawyer that sits above them that you know arbitrates over that final decision. Um, each side gets to choose or recommend a lawyer, but they have to be like clearly an independent person. It's like picking a five-a-side team. The Manchester City appointment, Andrew McDougall, QC, basically worked for a company in the Middle East office, ran their Middle East office. <laughs> they had this this uh, particular legal firm, had an office in Abu Dhabi, did work for multiple companies, including Etihad, um, between 2016 and 2018, loads of other state-run entities. Little bit of a, you know, we don't, not necessarily suggesting anything, but it might muddy the water a little bit when this person's got to be independent if they've got a long history of working with the group. And also, they recommended the guy to oversee the whole process, which is outside of UEFA's rules. So they recommended a guy called Rui Botica Santos. 
Rui Botica Santos, who is Portuguese. Manchester City said, we want this guy. We recommend this guy to run it. There's nothing in the rules that says, the CAS rules that says you can do that. Well, but UEFA, you turn around and just say no? You, well, I, who knows? UEFA just sanctioned it. And the best, this guy's legal um, expertise, it's so good. It's uh, arbitration, mining, oil, gas, corporate <laughs> law, and oh, then on God. the end, sports. I was like, <laughs> oh, what a piece of work. Like, oh, wow, probably wow. a lovely bloke, but nah. No. It's gross. The whole thing's gross. And right, it's understandable that everyone yeah. thinks it's gross. It's gross. So don't get off your bloody soapbox, Man City, and stop doing a victory lap. It makes it even worse. <laughs> it really does. Um, last two things on the Premier League is that the transfer window is open, which is quite exciting because it turns into chaos right now. And then the Premier League has released the dates it will start again, which is the 12th of September, which is six weeks, five weeks, six weeks from today. Um, there's the wow. UEFA Nations League um, game the week before, and then the week before that is the Champions League final. So basically, football just keeps going. Um, does anyone have any side stories? Uh, yeah. Go, Rog, go. Fellaini. Oh, oh yeah. Yes. Scored a hat trick of headers in eight minutes. <laughs> in China? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if. The six foot seven Fellaini <laughs> <laughs> has two skills. One is heading, the other is chesting. Amazingly he high in the chest Chinese control. League. Yeah, he's going to score a hat trick of headers. Brilliant. He was destined to achieve in that country, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, a couple of other side stories I've got is that the Scottish Premier League starts next week, so this oh, Saturday. Wow. So that's random. The football just keeps starting. That is random. Um, and in the championship, um, the playoffs are happening at the moment. So, play Brentford play Swansea. 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 By the time this comes leg. out tomorrow morning, one Swansea nil. Won the first leg one nil, and then Fulham won the first leg two nil against Cardiff away from home. Some excellent goals in that game. Yeah. Yeah, they were. And then the finals this Sunday. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. It'll so. all be done by next week, so we'll know who joins us in the Premier League, which is exciting. Yeah. Yeah, it's really exciting. The other thing I wanted to mention from the Championship, you know Jude Bellingham, who's gone to Borussia Dortmund from Birmingham, and we're like, yep, yeah, he's amazing, brilliant. Birmingham have retired his shirt number. So his shirt number 22 wow. is 17 years old, and he's played 40 games, um, and he's a kid. So like they do that for... That's a little more. bit odd, isn't it? Or Are you Zidane? sure that's not a joke? No. Happened. Birmingham will not let anyone else wear the shirt number twenty-two forever. Did you did you see the um the video Dortmund put out to welcome in? No. Oh, they basically had all these Dortmund players singing "Hey Jude," the Beatles song, <laughs> which which is it's super cool. Apart from the fact that they're it's all very German, ge- very German, it's, it's so very German. German. <laughs> they're like they're bit German, twee, bit like yeah, a little reserved, and they're being filmed in like full kit going. Hey, dude. <laughs> like, it's just it's bad. I like it, but it's bad. Uh, Wigan we, we update. Oh, sorry, John, you go. I was just going to say Wigan update. You go, Rog. It's all yours. They, Wigan got their uh, 10,000 signatures needed um, for 
parliament no not parliamentary debate what's the 10,000 review review parliamentary review in they got those in 24 hours so they decided right. to go for 100,000 which is the trigger for a parliamentary debate and um, that's on to make them debate around the fit and proper person that's right so given what we just said with the Newcastle takeover, I just encourage everybody to jump on board that petition and get involved. Yeah, and we pasted that on our Facebook a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah, definitely get on it. Um, there is a moment in time, in, in I think it's in about two weeks, where if Wigan don't have a new owner, some of their players can leave for free. Oh. Uh, there's clauses in contracts. If you get to a certain point and the, the club's in X turmoil, that they can bugger off. So there are vultures around that club right now. We Do should they still say... have um, Hugo Rogodiega? <laughs> <laughs> Cameron Jerome? Yeah, or DeSanto. Uh, John, or, um... what were you going to say as well? Sorry, we um, I interrupted you. No, I was just going to say about, um, you said the Dortmund cheesy videos. Um, have you seen the Leighton Baines Everton cheesy video? that he's Because he now has announced his retirement. I um, posted it on our Facebook and I watched the first three seconds and then thought I was going to vomit. So I stopped it. So I haven't actually watched the whole thing. But uh, they released a cheesy video of him going, Oh, we love you, Leighton. It's hard. It, I was going to let this shit go by without mentioning Leighton Baines. But now you brought him up, John. I've got to give him a <laughs> oh, quick mention. Um, because <laughs> look, there are two great Premier League players that are retiring at the end of this season. Well, not retiring, but leaving the Premier League. Blake Baines and David Silva. You've got to say, the, the better of those two is the left-back. That is a fact. <laughs> um, David Silva... He's not is, fit to shine his boots. No, David Silva's just a Spanish Leon Osman. We know that. Leighton <laughs> <But, but, laughs> Baines has been a phenomenal servant to England football club. Had 40 caps for England. The, the guy is one of the last of a type of Everton player that Everton, the club are sorely missing right now. And you said that Seamus Coleman is the only one left now Leighton Baines is gone. And... It's a sad day, but what he's brought to English football, and, and what, nothing says um, more about the man, I'd say, than what he said to Seamus Coleman. He was captain on his last game. So the last game before he was going to, what should we do for your game? And he said, "Oh, don't make a fuss." <laughs> after 13 years, he's gone. Don't make a fuss. D. John Lovren gets a fucking you know standing ovation after yeah. two games, and Lane Baines is just said, "No, nah, I'm, I'm done, thanks, mates." And, and he's that is just hard, isn't he? He's just gone. gone. Gone from yeah, the game, yeah. Ancelotti wants to keep him on the coaching staff. He said he's offered him. He's he said he's offered him different jobs. Like he's basically trying to find something to keep Leighton Baines at the club. Yeah, nice. And also, just you did mention David Silva, who probably is in the top two or three players that ever play in the Premier League. So Leon Osman's just above him. Yes, yeah, definitely, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> right, are we ready for the end game? The last end game of the season. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, you ready? Yes. There's a lot riding on this game. So the points are Rogers on 14, I'm on 13, Jeff's on 11. Um, so I think no one can move position because it's the last one of the season. Um, I not believe note, I've got 11, really. Deep down, no, I'm so proud of getting 11. <laughs> I think that's all from default. <laughs> um, on that note, next week is the Shed Awards where we do a review of our predictions for the season. Um, and we get points for them, and we get points for whoever comes first in the end game. And then also we will do a few other rewards that we'll come up with this week, um, and we'll post them on Facebook as well, that are kind of a bit left field and not your just normal end of season. Oh, he was the best player. He was the nicest manager. Um, so we'll have those next Wednesday. So they'll be out next Thursday, Australia time. Um, 
this week's game. So Watford got relegated since of having been in the Premier League since 2015. So this is Watford's first game in the Premier League in 2015. Oh, for God's sake, John. They <laughs> played... It's 2015, it's only five years ago. They played against Everton, away from home. Who were the managers? The managers were Martinez and Flores. It wasn't in the Spanish League, but it sounds like it was. Bit of an advantage for one one person on this, I would say. Um, yeah, it was two all. Everton were at home, and because Everton is involved, Jeff, you can go first. Uh, sorry, who was the manager of um, Watford? Uh, uh, Flores. Flores. Um, Gareth Barry. Gareth Barry is correct. Leighton Baines. <laughs> Leighton Baines did not play. <laughs> in the 13 years that he played for he didn't play in this one. Sorry, Rog. Uh, Seamus Coleman. Correct. Uh, Lukaku. Correct. John Stones. Correct. No Watford players yet. Naismith? No. Naismith came off the bench. Oh. I'll go again, Rog. Um, five years ago. Was he there? We talked about the man. Um, Fellaini? No, he'd gone to United. Fellaini was not there. Went to United with uh, David Moyes, didn't he? David Moyes signed Fellaini. Uh, yeah, as soon see. as Moyes went, Fellaini went. Yeah. Troy Deeney? Troy Deeney was there. Roger, no, come list. on. Well, he's on my list, but, you know. You... Uh, Barkley? Ross Barkley was there. And Delefeu? No Delefeu. Oh. So the teams were Everton, Tim Howard, Coleman, Stones, Jagielka, Galloway left back. Brendan Galloway. James McCarthy, Gareth Barry in centre midfield. Morales, Barkley, Tom Cleverley. Uh, Morales. Kaku. And then Watford was Gomez, Holobas, Cathcart, Prodel. Sebastian Prodel. Yeah. Yeah. Anya, (laughs) Kapui. Uh, Is Kapui still there? He is, isn't he? Yeah. Garami. Just a bit (laughs) Kapuia. And then a guy called Gerardo, that I've never heard of. And up front, Troy Deeney. Well, John, I've got to say, for the last end game of the year, you picked a particularly underwhelming game and teams. Everton, Watford got relegated. So I didn't you got you got to say, Everton have taken a big step backwards from that side. That was the season that Everton got 72 points, but only came fifth. That says a lot about Everton, because when John reeled off those names, they didn't scream quality to me. And no. yeah, 70, 72 points this year would have got you third. Everton have taken a huge step backwards from that side. <laughs> But that means that the final scores this season are Roger fourteen, me thirteen, Jeff twelve. So wow. I mean, I've been I've been cruising for weeks now because I knew I had it in the bag. Yeah, whatever. But just, uh, get, well, just getting your fat belly out, just going. Oh, I'm on the beach. That's I'm right. On that beach. I'm like uh, Ray Winston from Sexy Beast. 
Uh, <laughs> I was thinking more Jabba. <laughs> <laughs> Jabba the Pizza Hut. Um, does anyone have anything before we go? No, I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to um, Shed Awards. Next Awards week. next week, and then it's yeah. the Champions League, and then it's, then it's Nations it League. And it's, it's exciting. Then the Super season exciting. again. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. We will be back next week with the Shed Awards. Um, don't forget, if you want to get in contact, ask us questions or tell us we're wrong about something, just find us on Facebook or shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, everybody. See ya. Bye. Bye.